calling people out for doing terrible things, cool. I will take revenge on you, not cool. Hi friends, this is Under God. I'm Jackie Newsom. And I'm Isaiah Lewis. And we are two outsiders who are coming together to question the text and build community together. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Okay, Isaiah, so you picked our scripture for today. Let us know what you picked. Why? Yeah, um, I picked Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 6. Um, and I picked it because the the simple answer is because we have done a lot of Paul recently, I think. And I didn't want to do a psalm. <laughs> and <laughs> it sort of... I mean, I don't have a, a great reason other than it seemed like the next logical thing to do in terms of variety. Like, I didn't resonate deeply with it exactly. I think it's interesting, but I also am very curious about where this conversation is going to go. Usually, I think I have a little bit more of an idea of like what I want to add to the conversation. And this time, I think mostly I have some anxieties. <laughs> to share that's fair here at under god we're real we're honest we're authentic we're transparent so sometimes it's like ooh, out of out of these options this will we gonna have to do this week and yeah. we're fine with that and we hope you listeners are fine too so we're gonna do what we do uh every time we do it which is lectio divina uh prayer practice right if you're not in a quiet space, that's fine. If you're up and moving and still listening to us, that's fine. It'll still be effective. Uh, what we do is reflection, right? We read the text. We read it twice. You only hear us read it once, though. We reflect. We pick out words and phrases. We think about context. And then we sort of, I don't know, do this summary thing that kind of turns into a sermonette. But yeah, we just try to work through it, gain understanding, learn more about ourselves, each other, and the text. And um, yeah, and then send you all off with a benediction. Uh, so this is Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 6 from the Common English Bible. Watch out, you shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, proclaims about the shepherds who tend to my people. You are the ones who scattered my flock. You haven't attended to their needs, so I will take revenge on you for the terrible things you have done to them, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the few remaining sheep from all the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will place over them shepherds who care for them. Then they will no longer be afraid or dread harm, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up a righteous descendant from David's line, and he will rule as a wise king. He will do what is just and right in the land. During his lifetime, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And his name will be the Lord is our righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Completely understand why this is <laughs> anxiety producing. You know, yeah. I hate, you yeah. know, I hate the, 
oh, just I will take revenge on you. No. Yeah. yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> I hate revenge. Yeah. There's a lot of like declares the Lord. It's true. Which makes it feel like serious, you know. I don't know about yours, but in mine, uh, tend to is in uh, quotation marks. Yep. So it's like, here's my sarcasm. Here's my biblical sarcasm. <laughs> um, so I intentionally closed my eyes while you were reading and the be fruitful and multiply because that's just something that people are always like saying. Mm-hmm. And in this context, I'm just like, what is that? Should that be right there? Yeah. This is sort of obvious, but the extended sheep metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yep. The phrase, um, Judah will be saved. They will no longer be afraid or dread harm. When you yeah. read that, that stood out to me. Yeah. You are the ones who have scattered my flock and driven them away. Like, there's a lot of blame. Like, oh my gosh. It was, I just, if I had to summarize this, it was like, I'm pissed. You effed up. You're going to pay. I'm going to fix it. And it's going to be better than anything you could have ever done. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> and I'm like, well, but. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm stressed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we love the Bible. Good, good Bible study. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great. This is not a word or phrase, but visually um, it's so one through four is in one paragraph, like block paragraph, and then five and six separated by what we've mentioned before is, is sort of artificial labeling and like artificial um, paragraph separation, but like they are separated. And so I find it interesting. I want, you know, I find it interesting because visually when you look at it, cause I'm about to have to read it, it, it looks like two parts, right? It almost seems like one would stop at four um, or like take us all the way through eight you get what i'm saying do you see how these words do that yeah so i always find that like the visual interesting do you want to keep reading to eight uh not really does it get better like i don't (laughs) not particularly (laughs) i mean it gets a little bit better but then we go back into another like (laughs) issue this is What's interesting is that this is supposed to be the reprieve from, like, what is constant dogging. So, you know, (laughs) this is supposed to be the good part. Yeah. So, and his name will be the Lord is our righteousness. Is this about Jesus? Is this a foreshadowing of Jesus? I mean, I don't think Jeremiah thought so, but I think the lectionary people did. Okay, because it's, it's not true that... Judah is ever saved and Israel is ever living in safety. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, not just saying. Um, 
Okay, so that the fact that I had to read a lot of stuff, I mean, that stood out to me. The other thing that stood out to me was, was okay, so God is like, I will take revenge on you for being terrible and for the things you've done. But, but then is like, I will gather the sheep that I scattered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you are the ones who have scattered my flock, but I will gather the, what? <laughs> yeah. I myself will gather the few remaining sheep from all the countries where I have driven them. So who, so who did what? Yeah. And why are, why are you going in on these people? And what do they do? I mean, so I, number one, I think what you're pointing out is like God saying like, look what you made me do. I think that's what that is. Like you were so terrible. So I did this thing, but it's your fault. Like, that's that's what I think it is now the I mean so when you read it it sounded like it went together when I read it it sounded like it these didn't go together because what does a king from David's line have to do with the air quotes I mean this is so shady right like the air quotes uh shepherd to you know quote <laughs> tend to my people like is that so are we talking about kings? Are we talking about false prophets? Are we talking about, you know, like what did these people do to lead other people away from God? Because we know like the the authors are very interested in like there is one God, right? And that is the God of Israel. And that God has all the power and anybody else is, is posing. And so it's like, well, so who, who are these bad shepherds like what are like because I'm all here for I am all here for God being like you're oppressing my people right you're hurting them you're stealing from them you're you know like very much want to read this like white supremacist culture right like capitalism you are terrible and I'm gonna take revenge that's still a little strong though but like you're terrible and like I'm putting it into this. You don't get to like continue to harm my people. I'm cool with that, that part, right? Like you don't get to do this anymore. Super baby Jesus is stepping in. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, cool. But can we like, but I'm gonna take revenge. Well, what you gonna do? You just gonna gather the people that you scattered? That's the revenge? That'd be nice. <laughs> You're just gonna make them awesome be fruitful, multiply, that's the revenge. And then you're going to give them this dope king from the line of David. That's the revenge. Then, okay, maybe I can handle it. And that super dope king, you know, will like help save Israel and make it safe, which, you know, hey, benefit of hindsight, benefit of like, you know, living in the future (laughs) doesn't really happen. Yeah. I mean, no, that's not the revenge. <laughs> the revenge is uh, Nebuchadnezzar leading Babylon to destroy Judah, like completely. Right. It's, it's so destroyed. Um, Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is destroyed. So basically, 
everywhere that made Judah feel safe and feel like God's presence was there is destroyed. And uh, all the people who are able to write or had any kind of social standing have been taken away into exile. So that's the revenge. (laughs) This is not, it's funny because we're Bible nerd. Like this is why it's not, (laughs) somebody's gonna listen to this episode and be like, these people are (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Because, but like, yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I'm just not with the God who's like, I am totally down for a God who rights wrongs and provides justice and like helps the underdog. But but I'm not with this. Like you did t- calling people off for doing terrible things. Cool. I will take revenge on you. Not cool. I don't want that God. My people won't be afraid or dread harm. Totally fine. Calling people out for being fake shepherds. Not a problem. Promising that you know, you're going to raise up dope people and there's just going to be dope things in the future. All good. The fact that I know how this story ends. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, this has to be the redeeming part of this has to be about Jesus because right as a good Baptist, we, we always remind you of the cross and, and, you know, of the resurrection and Jesus, Jesus overcame death. Jesus overcame empire, right? Jesus, I mean, because even when Jesus gets here, there is still plenty of fear and dread, right? There's still plenty of like oppression. And Jesus is like, actually, this is how we are to live. And the government is like, got to get this one out of here. Yep. And, you know, Jesus does great things on earth and then is lynch and then rises up. And so we're like, yep, see, you can't, you've empire cannot destroy us. But who is a long way away from the scripture, baby? Yeah. And Jeremiah is like, Jeremiah doesn't know that. Like Jeremiah literally is like, he is almost put to death because he's saying to his people, like, yeah, you are so terrible. Like you, I mean, it, the things that that he's mad about, or that God is mad about, in in chapter twenty two, it says, um, "The Lord proclaims, do what is just and right, rescue the oppressed from the power of the oppressor, don't exploit or mistreat the refugee, the orphan, or the widow, don't spill the blood of the innocent in this place." So those are the things that are like what the people of Israel or the people of Judah um, are supposed to be doing and they're not doing. But Jeremiah's solution to that is like, yeah, so the Babylonians are coming. You should just submit to them because this is the Lord's will. And the all the officials are like, what are you talking about? That is a terrible plan. How dare you? How dare you say that you speak for God? We're gonna kill you. <laughs> uh, he he doesn't get killed in the end, but yeah, basically the officials are just so appalled by the idea that like 
you think we should just submit to this siege at, because it's God's will. And that makes sense. Like, of course you would be like completely freaked out. Like that's, it's like 2,500 years later and I'm still freaked out by that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Cause he was, he was seen as a complete traitor, which makes sense. So, so Jeremiah is a prophet. Yes. Called by God. And he's mad about it. To to tell the things. And what we know, the typical trope in this text is that prophets are not people don't people aren't typically happy with them. And they don't typically say things that people want to hear. And people get real get real aggressive uh <laughs> with prophets and a lot of the prophets, if not all of them, are pretty miserable because they're constantly giving bad news or like negative warnings. Like they're not, they're not able to like preach prosperity. They're like, hey, hey team, so so listen, this is the information that I'm getting. Uh, and it's terrible, but here's here are the things. Um, and so so it's it's not easy being a prophet and it's not easy sharing the information and if the scripture that we just read is information that jeremiah is called to give as a prophet i am doing exactly what everyone else during that time was doing which is so this is not god get out of my face pretty much yeah (laughs) so i just read a quick interpretation from Julian Andres Gonzalez uh, Olguin, Olguin, uh, Associate Professor of Old Testament of Pacific Lutheran Theological School in Berkeley, California. So just read a very quick commentary from him and he says the good news is Basically what we've been saying every time something like this comes up, which is that this was written by people who are experiencing trauma and that the fact that you can process trauma using language and understand God as a personal God um, are parts of the good news and that the fact that God is promising a time period where there will be justice is good news and that it makes sense that they're attributing both God and human beings to the present destruction makes sense because that's oftentimes how we make meaning. So he doesn't say anything that is like new and groundbreaking for our purposes, really. Um, but I just wanted to check. <laughs> yeah, so... To continue that, so I pulled up handy-dandy notes. Uh, Coogan says the purpose of (laughs) the book of Jeremiah is not necessarily to show us someone, but to show us something. It shows the prophet reluctance to take the job. Babylon, Judah in the 7th century, the fall of Assyria, the rise of Egypt. Yeah, okay, we know Babylon like takes over foreign nations as God's tools, which is why everybody's like, please shut your face. Yep. 
God is the universal deity. This is one of the longest prophetic books. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> Interpreted what was going on on a macro level and told people how they would be affected on the micro level. Uh, compositional issues, repetitions, contradictions, variations. Good. A lot of weird and bizarre things in here. I agree. <laughs> um, what else we got? This is considered an oracle. It doesn't really matter. Themes, calls for repentance, destruction of Jerusalem, the temple, whole new world. The day is coming, a new covenant. What are the theologies of Jeremiah? Strict monotheism, broken covenant, mosaic leadership, evil and the power of God, lament as theological response. I mean, yeah, so basically, I feel like we got all the things in <laughs> this one lectionary text. Yeah, so this basically affirms everything as well, right? That here we have to care about what's at stake for the people during the time. We have to understand what, what the author is trying to get across about God, about the people, right? I, I think what's helpful is like the themes, calls for repentance. Literally, this is what I wrote. Themes, calls for repentance, quote, but you can't stop the train at this point. <laughs> it's like too late. Turn back, rebellious children, declares the Lord. So it, it sounds like that tracks between 22 and 23. It's like, you're doing it wrong. You're not following the rules. There is one God. That God is all powerful. You're not doing the things, right? You're breaking the covenant. You're breaking the contract. Evil is happening. Don't worry. God is all powerful and is going to get y'all together. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Like, that's it. That's the thing. I wish we had something. I mean, maybe you have something to add about like, so what do we do? So upon reading, right, my two issues were literally the word revenge, right? And the fact that I know how this story ends. And so the promises that we see in five and six don't feel like they come true until Jesus gets here, right? Those are my two issues. And even then, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety, like, doesn't happen. Right. So those are my issues with this text. Based on the context we got, what do we know? Or how does that redeem my two issues? It doesn't redeem the latter, of yeah. you know it doesn't redeem the latter i'm not sure the context redeems the former either but i think your explanation of almost the lack of revenge manifesting is is good news right that like this god god is just kind of selling wolf tickets right now like there is a promise and an effort over a long period of time to get people out of bondage, to remove people from oppression, to get a community of people to do right, right? To do all of the caretaking activities that were required in, in chapter 22, right? 
what this shows us is that a prophet, there are people who can know better and tell us, hey, we are supposed to be doing better. And we still don't do it. Right. Yeah. And I guess what we know, because we have the benefit of the you know full text and of our lives on this on this side, if you will. We know that God doesn't stop. We know that God doesn't leave. Right. We know that efforts at redemption, at deliverance, at sort of removing oppression, at, at commenting on the ills of empire don't stop. You know, I think it's just, this is frustrating because there are some really bold promises here that I feel like as I sit here today, aren't made manifest. Like I am afraid still, and I live in dread and harm or, or dread harm rather. Right. I don't feel like I live in safety. Yeah. But I do feel like the Lord is my shepherd. I do feel like I know that it is not empire I am to follow, but God, even when I get it wrong. I think all of what you're saying is is really good. Um, and maybe this is not supposed to be a text where we, who was it? Was it Lamang or was it Kravchik or both who told us like, you know, like these aren't all, every scripture and every text isn't supposed to like be instructive. Yeah, I mean, that was something that I read in, I was reading a theological interpretation of the Old Testament, which is Brueggemann, um, who I like, um, and he was describing this as, you know, as a lament, um, or not, not literally as the form isn't literally a lament, but that it's a poetic expression of trauma basically like that it's using language to express pain um and that that's sort of its its value and that you know he talks a lot about the relationship like god the thing that god is upset about is is this loss of relationship or loss of connection with the people of israel um and like wanting that back. I don't know. Not every, not every text has good news, I guess. Um, or not every, and, and perhaps not every text is meant to be read without more. Right. Like the, I think this whole book, Jeremiah, like, I don't know. I'm sure if I did more research, I would know, but I'm sure there are portions of Jeremiah that people preach. Like this isn't one of them. Right. Yeah, And like what is valuable from this is understanding the entire book and the purpose and what's happening here, right? And what's happening here is someone is like share, a prophet is called and is sharing information that's received and we get to see the woes of a prophet, right? Um, And we get to see literary devices, right? And we get to see sort of a historical development of the continued losses if you will of of israel yeah i mean part of my concern in reading this is i wonder i mean i've been really to be honest like not been feeling it in my in my relationship with god 
part of me wonders like if I were in a different place spiritually reading this text, if I would have more insight than I do right now. Um, and I don't know if that's the case or not. Like, but I wonder like if I, if I had more faith than I feel like I do right now, would I be able to find good news where it feels like there is none, you know? Yeah, I know. I do know. Um, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's really valuable for listeners who have a faith tradition or who don't both to understand that like, yeah, we're not always like, yeah, go God. Like that's real. And that's a real part of like the faith journey. I just also want to say that this text is pretty bad. And I am not sure, even if you, when you're at your highest height, that you would read this and be able to see something different. I don't, I don't think that you're missing it. Right. I think, you know, I think because I think we are so careful and so thoughtful, right? Sure. We could read this just as, Hey, the people who don't do right by you, God promises revenge. And that's good news because God has your back, right? We could read this as, Hey, God promises that even when, you know, things, things aren't good. God is going to swoop in and take over and, you know, care for us and, and help us to be fruitful and multiply and give us all the things, right? We could read it that way and be like, and that's the good news. Mm -hmm. And then we wouldn't be under God (laughs) and we wouldn't have masters of divinity, right? Like that's not, we just know that that's not good enough and that's not honest. And so we're doing the extra work of saying, okay, well, wait, wait, let's understand more about what's being said. And what does it mean to take revenge? Because don't we want a God, right? Who's a bit more gracious than that, right? We are willing, like we sit here all the time and we talk about the ills of white supremacist culture of capitalist culture. And we are never like, but we want those people to like, be in trouble and have the revenge, right? Like, no, what we want is wholeness, right? And that's what we believe. I think we agreed that's we that's who we believe God is. And so then we have to understand, we have to reconcile who we believe God is based on our lived experiences and evidence from the text with, with this specific scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Or portion of scripture and what it says. And that is what we've done. Good. right and maybe that's the message maybe that's the good news hey you can get it right right in all that you do what you know whatever you do professionally or personally be a good shepherd right be an honest shepherd be a thoughtful shepherd yeah yeah and and we know clearly what it is to be what what you need to do in order to be a good shepherd like that's laid out that's pretty clear it's not complicated it's just that we don't do it (laughs) frequently (laughs) enough like and that we're constantly kind of called back to okay remember like the people of god don't oppress other people people of god don't oppress the people of god 
am going to go ahead and, and do what we do and take the risk and say, maybe we should read some more of chapter 22. Okay. Um, so can you read the portion with like full citation, like Jeremiah 22 versus blah, blah, blah of what you read earlier. And then I'll read some more. Cause I think really where we ended up is like the directives are in 22 and the warn, you know, the warnings are in 23. I guess I'll read um, chapter 22 verses one through five, because one through five sets us up for 23 1 through 6 do it jeremiah chapter 22 verses 1 through 5 the lord proclaims go down to the palace of the king of judah and declare this message listen to the lord's word king of judah you who sit on david's throne you and your attendants and all those who go through these gates the lord proclaims do what is just and right Rescue the oppressed from the power of the oppressor. Don't exploit or mistreat the refugee, the orphan, and the widow. Don't spill the blood of the innocent in this place. If you obey this command, then through the gates of this palace will come kings who occupy the throne of David, riding on chariots and horses along with their entourage and subjects. But if you ignore these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this palace will become a ruin. Verses 13 through 17. How terrible for Jehoiakim, who builds his house with corruption and his upper chambers with injustice, working his countrymen for nothing, refusing to give them their wages. He says, I'll build myself a grand palace with huge upper chambers, ornate windows, cedar paneling, and rich red decor. Is that what makes you a king, having more cedar than anyone else? Didn't your father eat and drink and still do what was right, just and right? Then it went well for him. He defended the rights of the poor and needy. Then it went well. Isn't that what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But you set your eyes and heart on nothing but unjust gain. You spill the blood of the innocent. You practice cruelty. You oppress your subjects. Yeah. There's more good news in the oracle against the kings than there is in the promise of restoration, which is interesting. Yeah. And still, context, 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 right? Fullness of, fullness of scripture helps us get to the directives and the directives of our good news. The information and the correction of God are all a reflection of God's love and presence. And that's good news. Yeah. Just go. Live as free people. Yeah. And even when change is slow or invisible, keep the faith, baby. Under God was created by Jackie Newsom and Isaiah Lewis. Our music is by Broke for Free. Well, yeah. Outside, yeah. it's nice and just air. <laughs> out there <laughs> <laughs>